Hello, and welcome to another episode of Heart of Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Siegfried, and I just want to welcome you to another special episode. Today, I have Amanda Florenzikowski, and she is an author of Unraveled, Mothering Fiercely in a World Full of Fears. And I really am so excited about this episode leading up to World Day of Human Trafficking on July 30th. This episode will raise a, a little more awareness about the epidemic and just how susceptible we all are to it. Amanda, living in a quaint town in Texas, her life was intersected with human trafficking. And so I'm going to let her tell her story as we also discuss some stats and ways that we as mothers can be prepared and be equipped to know how to handle situations when we see human trafficking or how to protect our sweet babies. So let's get right into it. Welcome, Amanda, to the podcast. I am so excited to have you and to talk about your story and to learn a little bit more about all of the things you're doing. I'm glad to be here. Very honored. Honestly, I don't even know how I came across your Instagram and your book, but it was like one of those things that you're just like, it was like God sent, you know, where you're just scrolling. You're like, wait a second. You know, this is, this feels like, right. You know what I want to learn about and people I want to meet. And so it was just one of those things. I just had to reach out and get you on the podcast. Um, and I saw that you were writing a book that I am very excited to dive into. Yes. Um, and you're Thank just, you. yeah, you're encouraging mothers to really live in freedom, you know, and not be fearful and yeah. um, not allow ourselves to almost keep us from being the mothers that we're meant to be. Yes. Yes. I would love to dive into the book and to the story behind the book. Sure. Sure. Yeah, because that would also give a great context of what is to come with your ministries and all of that. Sure. So February of 2016, my life collided with child sex trafficking in America. I had heard about it, but I didn't know it happened um, here. I thought it only happened overseas. And I certainly didn't think it happened in my quaint little East Texas town. Right. Yeah. So um, my family... My two older boys were at school. I was at the grocery store, just our local grocery store with our two little guys. Um, my daughter, who at the time was nearly three, and my son, who was an infant. And, um, you know, everybody, every mom only shops based on the nap countdown, right? Totally. So we know, like, how much time we have left. And I'm rapidly headed down this aisle trying to get where I'm going because I know I need to get home. And there's a man that pretty much just stops my cart with the end of his. And so I come to this abrupt halt and I'll never forget it because it was right by the South exit of the store. And just almost the sunshine was like beckoning me to hurry. Yeah. And so I remember thinking that was just really bizarre. And he struck up a conversation with me about my children. And, you know, we all bump into people that were like, they're just kind of different. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really didn't, sense um, the comfortability in continuing this conversation. So I just kind of shrugged it off. And as I turned down into an aisle, I remember looking over my shoulder and seeing him maybe eight yards away, still staring at us like he would really, really intentionally Mm. wanted to have this conversation with us about my children specifically and felt kind of deflated, right? Yeah. So I know kind of, I would be so like weirded out. That, that just probably made you want to like bolt out, you know? Well, not, not yet. Maybe that okay. was just my, no, it gets weirder. Oh no. 
I hate to tell you. So um, immediately after that, I'm ready to check out. I'm walking up to the checkout line and I notice there's a couple standing there. Um, and I notice they have hardly anything with them and I just usher them to go ahead of me. And so they have so few things that I'm actually starting to load the belt mm -hmm. at the same exact time. And I realize my daughter's getting very antsy. I mean, I don't know. Does this happen to you? I feel oh, like yeah. there's something about the checkout line. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we just lose all self-control. They do. They I really I, do. So great. And then we get in the checkout line and I break out into a sweat. I'm like, can we just keep it together for 10 more minutes? Um, so I noticed she's getting antsy. She's precious, but she's getting antsy. Oh, definitely. So I take her out and I set her down. And this woman with immediacy, Desiree, starts a conversation with me about my daughter. Mm. And the only question she's asking me is how old my daughter is. And so initially I, you know, let her know I'm just kind of loading the belt. And I realize what she's doing by the second and third time she's asking me this is that she is over her shoulder talking to the man that's with her, that's not facing us, oh. that is not interacting with us whatsoever. She is repeating to him. And then in a different language, he'll oh, ask oh my gosh. something. And then she will ask me. And then I responded. And then she'd tell the answer. And I realized that she was interpreting my answers. Oh about my, daughter. my gosh. Right. Like, what's your first reaction though? Just like, this is a weird, this is weird. Or like, um, no, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. My first, obviously you have this caution as a mom that rises up inside mm -hmm. you. There is a famous number one New York Times bestseller by Gavin DeBecker. And he has made a living with top stars. You might even know this man, um, coaching them on how to pay attention to their caution and oh. how that really is a helpful and errant we're just born with it. Well, we know as believers, yeah, like, that's exponentially multiplied. Yeah. We have the Holy spirit as mamas and we can go, something's not right. So I had that feeling for sure. Just that Holy spirit caution. Well, at the same time going, you know, clearly they're not from here. They're from a different country. This is a cultural thing. She doesn't realize how uncomfortable she's making me. I'm overreacting. I'm just overreacting. So, um, but at the same time, that tension of feeling like something's really wrong here. Yeah. And you know, it. it's like intuition. Like you mentioned, the Holy Spirit is just like guiding you to be like urging you almost to be even more aware, be even more cautious for what's going on. Absolutely. And actually all the sex trafficking, um, experts out there will tell you, which I feel like I've become now, but <laughs> will say, yeah, I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, yeah, say, um, the best thing you can do as a mom in that situation is start to take note of what's going on around you. So when I realized that he's translating, I immediately stopped putting things on the belt. I'm way focused on what's happening. I set my hand on my son, infant son, which I thought was kind of bizarre that they were only asking about my daughter and nothing about my son, even yeah. though you know, this cute, cute cooing infant in the seat, in the, in the, um, in the cart. And so I pick my daughter up because at this point, the woman has come so close to us in proximity that she's has her hand on my cart. And my daughter is wedged in between like, what would be oh, her no. belly button? <laughs> I know. Talk about, oh my gosh. I, yeah. I just have like goosebumps because I'm like anticipating. like. The <laughs> oh, I know. And I wish I could say it does end pretty well though. So, okay. um, but 
you know, my daughter is like belly button height and she's standing in between this woman and the cart and it feels really weird. So I walk around the cart, I pick my daughter up and back away. And the woman asks me, can I hold your daughter? And, um, again, we Christian moms don't want to be rude, do we? <laughs> I always say, I say, you know what? It wasn't my daughter who was vulnerable in the grocery store that day. It was me. And I would have responded entirely differently, empowered with all of the information I now have. I mean, yeah. entirely. Um, I picked my daughter up and I said, well, you know, I think her diaper and as wet left my mouth. The woman was pulling my daughter out of my arms. Before you even said yes. You even, I told her no. I said, no, I don't think so. Her daughter, I, I vehemently, I told her no. And so I have her in my arms and I have my son, my other hand on my son. And I told her no. And she kind of looked at me. And that's when I said, I think her diaper has made this excuse because she seemed, you know, unfazed by the fact that I said no. So she takes her out of my arms. And this is the only, only time Desiree that she actually starts to put distance between she and I was when she has my daughter. And she grabs my daughter's little arm and she waves it. And she had my daughter parrot to me. Okay, say bye-bye to mommy as she's backing up with my daughter. Oh so, my gosh, I'm just mortified. Yes, it, and it was. I mean, it's really, um, if I could put words to the emotions, it feels surreal. I mean, you know, there have been moments in your motherhood that have panicked you probably to the point where... Um, it just doesn't even feel real. Your adrenaline kind of kicks in. It's like fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So yes, I agree with you. But I, um, in that split second, had to make a decision. If I lunge forward for my daughter, I have to let go of my son. You know, I mean, you're just kind of like <sighs> managing in your mind in a moment's notice how Absolutely. you're going to So I lunge forward and I'm pulling my daughter from this woman's arms. And um, I had a brief interaction with her after that where I'm asking her, I mean, like, I don't know why this came out of my mouth, but I'm looking at her and I go, where are your children at? Because the only thing I can, I'm trying to reconcile how another mom can do this to a mom and what the motive was. I mean, I'm still trying to rationalize And how old was this woman? Um, She was, well, her response was, um, my kids are in Nepal. And this is the only time she seemed frazzled, but not, not that she had made me feel uncomfortable, frazzled in that I was kind of onto something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she had this like beautiful, dark Nepalese skin. So I want to say early forties. Yeah. Maybe. And I would say the gentleman was probably late forties. Um, so we had that brief interaction and I turned to the register, kind of slump over it. And I don't even really notice where they leave because I'm just, Oh my gosh, defeated. You're just like, really? Yeah. Um, and the end of the book does talk about the, the actual, it, it explains what I didn't know, um, because once Texas Rangers got involved and they reviewed security footage and we saw that truly that this was, they were two individuals, most likely in a four person sex trafficking ring. So the fourth person was standing behind the register and I'm pretty sure that well, I can say confidently that he was most likely the ringleader of it um, because after the story went viral, one of his victims had been trafficked by him, reached out to me, and he had been released from prison three weeks earlier. Wait, the person behind the cash register? Correct. Who was the leader of this sex trafficking ring? Um, so like, oh my gosh. 
I just can't even imagine. And she's a, I'm friends with her now. She's coming to the Lord. She's a believer. Oh, good. (laughs) It's just a, yeah, you have to read chapter four. Oh yeah, (laughs) I will. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm just going to read your book. Like I won't put it down. It's going to be one of those things. (laughs) Yeah. And when God writes the story, it just, it's really good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so good that you say that too, because, um, I was reading too, uh, the reasoning by behind, you know, wanting to write your book and wanting to share. And, um, I actually enjoyed where you mentioned, like he was actually unraveling you as well, you know? And it was like through the, through this process of writing and of honestly helping other mothers, it was actually really helping you too. Absolutely. Um, and most people pick it up thinking it's, I mean, I don't want to make it all about the book, but that is my story and that's where it landed, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, most people pick up unraveled and think it's a book about child sex trafficking. Right. And while chapter five is chock full of everything that I feel like a a mom should know, um, to, like I said, be empowered and less vulnerable and be able to protect her children. Well, at least the, the meaty basics of it and what I didn't know that would help her. Um, really this story is about the aftermath Mm -hmm. because, you know, once you share all that information with the mom, I mean, you pretty much just are like, I'm never letting them out of my sight again. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, we already feel that way. And then when you think of, Oh my gosh, it could happen in my quaint little town, then you're even more afraid. And absolutely. I mean, you just, you're like, nobody is going out of the house until they're 35. And and we're just, I mean, truly, I mean, you, there's no way you could read the things. Um, And I don't use examples and I'm very sensitive to a mom's heart, but like the first time I heard it, I remember what that felt like and just how daunting it is to know that this is an explosive epidemic and your child is so valuable that these people who are savvy business people mm. will stop at nothing. Um, and I'm living proof. My story is, yeah. and truly the, the aftermath of it is like, okay, mama, now that I've shared all this with you, how do we live at the tension of understanding the reality of the world around us and awareness? And then the peace that we're supposed to live in as believers. Yeah. And so that's really kind of the rest of yeah. All of us mamas need to go out and get your book unraveled, but are there just a few tangible ways that you would be able to offer us, um, to be aware of, like, what could we be aware of as mothers when it comes to, you know, sex trafficking and what are some of the, some of the ways that you've learned to be aware of? Because yeah. we feel like as mothers, we are always, you know, just like hawkeye on like everything that's going on in order yeah. to prevent things from happening. But like you mentioned, they're savvy business people and they know what mothers are looking at. And so how can we be even more aware of maybe the intricacies of someone's motives? Mm -hmm. That's a great question that no one's ever asked me before. Oh, good. Um, So the exciting part, I'll just share this with you. Um, I shared it this morning for the first time, but you know, in two weeks we will be completing a project um, that is the first ever project for parents um, to, that answers the question that you just asked. What do I need to look for? Amazing. Cover 
everything from kids self-defense to mom self-defense to internet safety to just what you should be looking for to basic awareness it's the first oh so good and it is unbelievably god the people that have come together to collaborate on this project i mean without a doubt we have people from our we have um tom clancy's jack reacher do you know that was based on a real person no he, this guy's out of sight, like CIA, <laughs> FBI, um, truly. And so he's partnering Dr. Oh, Reisman and the Reisman Institute, um, former CIA. I mean, it's going to be out of this world. This is so great. So what is this project? And can we know what it is? Because yes, <laughs> I am signing up. I want right? to know everything. Um, I will definitely send you a link for yeah. it. Um, so it's the first ever. There's a lot of stuff out there for first responders and police. There's a lot of stuff out there maybe for like schools and academic institutions, but there's nothing out there for the everyday parent. Mm. It's just tangible, bite-sized little nuggets that you can listen to in the car. Um, and a lot of, and they're actually segmented. These are the ones you listen to with your kiddos. These are the ones oh, you Oh, so good. So all that is coming out. I will give you a few tidbits though, just because um, yeah. that's a great question, but that's coming out. First of all, I think, Truly just by knowing the information, mm -hmm. it's really um, shrouded. That's what I was going to say. The blessing, the fact that God sovereignly allowed this to intersect with my life is that I wasn't a very educated advocate. Um, my husband and I have a, an entrepreneurial background. We've owned businesses for several years that have been really successful in the marketplace. Before that, we both had careers um, in the corporate world. And so we look at things through that lens. Yeah. And um, as I was researching, I realized that a lot of the data was different based on maybe where someone, where their agency functioned, mm -hmm. what type of the process, you know, what part of the process they helped with anti-child, um, excuse me, child trafficking advocacy, like whether mm -hmm. they were, I mean, it just, it always kind of differed a little bit. Yeah. And um, there's a few reasons for that. If you look on the National Trafficking in Persons Report, even this year, they put it out annually. On page 16, it says, and, uh, not verbatim, but it says something to the effect of, um, we struggle to find the data on this because it's evolving so quickly. Yeah. And we recognize that. So here are the five agencies that we're working with to try to become more abreast to, you know, on these statistics. And so right there, you have this federal report saying there's so much we don't know. But, oh, which is so like devastating to, it is. to know that because it is. But I came at it with this business perspective and I looked at the data differently. It, to me, it was, I could understand that while this was a good baseline, it was a little stagnant. And even if it's a year old, it's outdated. Yeah, because like you being a businesswoman, you know that if you didn't trim the fat, if you weren't always looking forward, if you weren't um, innovative and planning, mm -hmm. if you didn't employ any of those in your business, your business model would fail. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. And this is not failing; it's thriving. It's mm -hmm. second to drug trafficking right now. Um, there's more revenue in child sex trafficking than the National Hockey League, the um, National Baseball Association, 
the National Football League. Oh my and gosh. And Major League Baseball. Those four sports organizations bring in less revenue collectively every year than child sex trafficking. That's terrible. So then you go, yeah, these are really savvy business people. Very. And so as you're looking at it like that, you can say there's nothing off the table. We're seeing younger children. We're seeing, and I, you know, I hate to get into all that. On, I know. On this, but I, I'll steer clear. It's, I know it's so devastating, but you know what? I, I think it's important. It's, it's very important for us to know. And I'll be honest too. Like I was unaware of all of this um, until I actually took it upon myself to follow organizations. I like I, all I did was I started following hashtags. So like the end it movement, I started following and that is where I would see all of the organizations that help or assist to, you know, help survivors of um, sex trafficking. But the more that I learned is the reason why I feel just like more empowered to help or do something, you know? Mm -hmm. And as moms, like, I think that's what knowledge is power. So like you said, the more we know on how to protect our children, will um, help us, but also like just understanding the industry as a whole and being able to make a difference. I don't know, like we can protect our children, but how can we protect other children that are more vulnerable? Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I would say for me, that's why when I came across your page, I'm just like, he just knew that I, you know, I, I wanted to share this on the podcast, but I don't, I didn't have the wisdom or the knowledge. And so it's just really wonderful to, it's not wonderful that you went through that, but it's wonderful that you can now bring your wisdom and bring your knowledge to other mamas and, and to just bring awareness to the evil industry it is. Yeah. That's humbling for you to say, thank you. I have a phrase, um, free people, free people. And I, I realized, um, and I share that. In fact, that's one of the titles of the chapter, but when we, I could not agree with you more. It's wonderful to be able to protect our children. And this program is going to help you. It's going to give you tips like, you know, if your kid wears a school uniform, don't place them on social media. I mean, things you wouldn't think of that just, you know, how to talk to your kids about um, when they're playing video games online. I mean, you have two little boys, like, you you know, it's, yeah. it's coming. If it's not already there, they just enjoy it. I'm dreading it. <laughs> and they're, but they're, and video games are com- entirely different than when you and I were kids. I mean, you're able to talk to perfect strangers and that is um, used as a grooming process. You know, it takes eight minutes for a trafficker to recognize whether your child is a, a good victim. Eight minutes. So yes, they're all the tips and tricks, but you nailed it. How do we not just protect our children, but children in general? And I had this real epiphany. You know, I share very vulnerably in one of the chapters, this point where my husband and I um, he had been my biggest cheerleader mm-hmm. when I was terrified and this, this very unexpectedly went viral. I mean, you just don't sign up for that. Yeah. That was equally as terrifying to me, really, <laughs> yeah. because I, you know, I felt like everybody had this window into my vulnerability and I wanted to close everything off and shut everything up. And my husband said, there's no way you could have orchestrated this yourself and you have to be open to what God's going to do with it. And, um, that was so convicting to me because I remember my husband and I early on in our dating life, we went to go visit a Holocaust museum, very romantic, right? (laughs) But, uh, we're big into history and it was, there's documentation that the German neighbors of these Jewish concentration camps, once 
they were liberated, the soldiers had the, the Germans walk through and say, look at what you ignored. Look at what you ignored. And oh my gosh, I absolutely. And so I stumbled upon this verse, Proverbs 24. I want to read it to you here. Let's see. I love it. Um, but well, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I should have it. But the verse talks about rescuing those um, who need who are staggering towards their death and not ignoring and not saying, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I, that to me would have felt like bending low, looking a little child in the eyes and saying, find someone else to help you. And so we have this very vulnerable moment later on in the st- in my in our family's story, well, where for the first time my husband um, and I talk about the rejection. I mean, we lived in a small town, and I'm saying something no one else is saying, and just some some rejection was my hot button. And so the Lord met me, had to meet me in that place. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband and I have this moment where he is starting, I think, to really question the authenticity of maybe what really happened, and it was a real breaking moment for me. Yeah. Um, because I thought, Lord, I need to know that I know that I know because I will not drag my family or your name through the mud for nothing. And that really was those mark, one of those markers in my own walk that changed the game where, um, I won't give it away, but there, there, the Lord answered my prayer request in that. And that I knew that I knew that I knew. Yeah. And part of it has to do with, that was the, it, I've told you a little bit of it, yeah. this woman reaching out, this victim reaching out. Yeah. And, um, recognizing this man. So, wow. I know it's just so crazy how, you know, you're just going about your day, not expecting anything to happen. You're just trying to get them to nap time and, (laughs) you know, and then it changes your life forever. Yes. I think it's important for what, no matter what we're going through to really use it as a stepping stone to help others going through the same thing or overcoming, (laughs) overcoming any obstacles. Yeah, that's what, Absolutely. And that's what essentially free free people, free people is. Once I was free, like once I could, um, you know, I talk about how unraveled really was the synonym for surrender. I did not realize even as a believer, these things that I still held, I like liken it to that pre-baby bikini. You you can still wear yours, but anyway, (laughs) not at all. For me, you know, I can still put it on, but it does not fit any of the places the same way anymore. <laughs> and so that's what my faith felt like. It just, it, I didn't question God. Yeah. Things just felt like they didn't fit anymore. Yeah. And so I never questioned God, but I questioned my perception of him. That makes and sense. so when I went through unraveled, um, that wasn't necessarily the title of the book. It's actually what my husband and I termed this season in our life because it was just one thing after the other. <laughs> and we, um, when I got to the end of unraveled, I realized that was surrender. Oh, and when you come into this place of, and it's a work in progress. I mean, I don't say that, like I said, it's, it's this constant tension, you know, like we talked about before of, of living at the intersection of awareness and peace. It's a faith walk, you know, it's not, it does, yeah. not magic, but really being able to live in the freedom of recognizing that there is a tension and that that I can live there is when that's where you have freedom. And then if I'm free, I have to free others. Like that mm-hmm. gives me the bravery to talk to someone who potentially is a pedophile or, or um, do things I wouldn't normally do because anyone will tell you, any expert will say trafficking is not the problem. The demand is. 
And so mm. it's a spiritual fight. Yeah, absolutely. You know, spiritual fight. And, yeah. and if you can enter into that part of the battle um, as a free person, wanting to free other people in this spiritual fight against this disgusting, insatiable craving they have, um, that's the game changer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's turning our fear into a motive maybe to help. So like, how can, because you did go through it. So on top of what mothers can be aware of to look out for, how can we actually overcome our own fears? Can you, are there some, some advice for mamas who, cause yeah. I have, I mean, I've known people like who, you know, they, before babies, they were completely free and then you have babies and you just have this like desire to protect and you know, that's God given, but it can be overwhelming. And then we allow fear to creep in and fear is not from God. So how can we really, how can we overcome our fears? <laughs> I yes. guess is what I'm asking. Question. Okay. <laughs> so um, when I was asking that same question, I went to Genesis three and I was studying about Eve, the very first mother, her name means mother of all, right? Yes. So right there in Genesis three, like we see that she has succumbed to sin and we find out, you know, through this study, I'm learning, I learned that um, God did not curse Adam or Eve. He cursed a fundamental relationship each one had to something or someone. Yeah, that's true. So the relationship that he cursed for women, we hear that there'll be pain in, in childbirth, right? There'll be pain in conception. So I start researching like those original Hebrew words. And I, I'm realizing through this study that it's not just the delivery room. Like I originally thought that, that there will be pain. Yeah. The pain, the, the real, this curse that we are now under um, is that for our, our life long, whether our kids are five or 50, there is this, we're going to be disillusioned. We're going to be disobeyed. There are going to be times when we're disappointed in our parenting. I mean, you know, you have little oh, yeah. boys. I've experienced it too. Yeah. And there's this, like you just said, it's like seeing the world in color for the first time. Life changes when you become a mom. And that's where that first happened. It's so true. It, it blew my mind because God never leaves us in the curse or the consequence without making this way out. He always provides that for us. I mean, his grace is so beautiful. In the very thing, Desiree, this is what just blew my mind. <laughs> the very thing that she was struggling with, this curse of motherhood. I don't like to call it the curse of motherhood, but this curse that came that affected motherhood. Yes. Um, was also the very thing. Eve was not called Eve until that point in scripture. Oh, she actually was called woman. And then at that point she was called mother of all. And so the very thing, this motherhood where the curse effect, the curse affected was also the thing that allowed her to bear generations later, our savior. And so the very thing that God had to to do, you know, we, that sin happened. So there had to exist this consequence was alleviated by the, the salvation that came through Jesus Christ, through the lineage of Adam and Eve. And so how do we overcome fear? 
<laughs> you absolutely turn to Jesus. Eyes, yeah, you put your eyes on the salvation that you have as a mom, and you recognize that okay. like no one but the Lord could love your child as much as you do, and and that you hold him and surrender him because that is the safest place your child can be is is in the arms of the one who loves your kid even more than you do if you can possibly fathom that. Yeah. And so the I you know growth um in and of itself doesn't happen overnight it's something and this I mean no doubt this for me um but towards the end of the book I had this situation where I was pulling out of my driveway and this fear about one of my children just washed over me out of the blue. And the next immediate thought was this scripture and the things that I've learned, you know, the information that I have and um, the faithfulness that God is to my children, that he cares more about them, Mm -hmm. the salvation that he brings, the fact that I have to live in this tension, you know, all these things I learned along the way. And just as soon as that fear came in, another one washed over that pacified it and calmed my heart. Yeah. And it was at that moment I realized like, Lord, we've come so far. We've come <laughs> so far, you know? Yeah. You just mentioned it. The, the tools in your tool belt were scripture because you were able to have the, you had the fear wash over you, but you were able to turn to scripture or to turn to the, what you had been reading and studying. So I, that is what it is. You know, we, like turning to his salvation, as you mentioned, but also we need to equip ourselves with weapons, which is the scripture, you know, and being able to combat those negative feelings or come even to combat evil with God's truth and God's word. And I love how you said it though. And, and all about Eve, because that's very, very interesting. And it's also empowering to know, you know, Cause I think often, oftentimes we're like, why do I feel this way? I'm, you know, I'm so extra, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> but, but you said we, we were all, you know, we're mothers. We come from Eve and we're all yeah. going to feel it, but we have to equip ourselves. We got to strengthen yeah. our, strengthen ourselves <laughs> to come against yeah. it. And that is the reality of it. That's your greatest tool as a mom is your, is prayer in the scripture. I mean, I talk about this really all throughout, but that really is the reality of it. I, you know, if anybody had ever struggled in their walk and they came to me and we were, we we're talking, I just, I just wanted to love people into this same like faith I had when things started to crumble and the rubber met the road. And there were things that I didn't understand God's goodness in and walking in the midst of it. And I wanted to know, and I began to wrestle with God in that. Um, and I finally, you know, there was that intimacy that comes from surrendering and being unraveled. There's just such an intimacy in relationship. And I think, gosh, God, like when I talk to moms now who have experienced some trauma or pain, I just have to remind them the same truth that I came to know, which is that God loved me so much and he desired intimacy on such a deep level that he would take me through something that only he could get me through. And you are absolutely right. Like that, that point of intimacy with the Lord is where you recognize and understand um, that you, 
like you said, you can't, you just don't, you can't do this on your own. And my faith, what I was giving, what I call intellectual consent to, I believed it. I believed it here too. Yeah. (laughs) But it became so real to me. You know, it was always real, but it, it became so much more intimate and sweeter. And that is the place I want a mom from, you know? Yeah. But I want everyone to mom from. Yeah. Makes you a better everyone's story will be different than mine, but, um, but I do think that even when, no matter who I talk to or whether it's from mothering or another story of finding identity or finding yourself or overcoming some sort of battle, it's, it's always going through the fire to come out more alive, I guess you could say. Um, and I think for myself too, you know, like I found God most when I was going through hardships and then that's where my foundation began although I had a foundation from my childhood, but it was different. It was more intimate because I sought after it myself and it's a choice. And I think that's what he wants from us. He doesn't want us to be conditioned by just like the, you know, church and what we grew up knowing. He wants us to know him, like you said, intimately. And we find him most in our darkest places. And he, you know, I think it's important to know that he's always there, no matter he's there in our good and in our bad and in the ugly, <laughs> he's there. Yeah. You know, and I, it's funny to you because I, I go over four principles of pain. And um, one of those principles being that pain was not meant to be compared. And I would, okay. you know, on the other side of this, I would have a bad day and I would know what someone else was experiencing. And I'd I just, it would be enough to make me feel guilty enough to slap on a smile and say, this really isn't that bad because I can't imagine what that mom's going through or the other side of it, um, which is that, you know, place of feeling like, well, if, you know, this person only knew what it was like for me at home, you know? Yeah. Um, I really struggled with that in all transparency because I felt like, you know, we always joke about first world problems and, and I was using that as like a benchmark for whether I was allowed to feel pain or allowed to feel grief. And, um, the Lord just kind of spoke into that for me, that first in Galatians, it said, carry your own load, carry your own burden, carry your own load. And I recognize like God didn't, I'm, I'm not, I am living in a first world and this is where I am. And this is where you are. And this is where God has us. And God, our threshold isn't like our location or, or what someone else can handle. Our threshold for pain and grief is our threshold. And when we ignore it or gloss over it, we, we shortchange God in allowing him to meet us in those places where we are experiencing those emotions. And he knows it's our threshold. He knows <laughs> that we're in that place. But he has the opportunity to come in and meet us in that place. And we shortchange him and don't allow him to do that when we kind of act like, well, it's not that big of a deal. And that was me. And so the Lord either took the life or jeopardized the life of all five of my children, first with a child trafficking abduction, and then um, my two sons in a house fire, and then two weeks later the miraculous retrieval of my infant from a hotel or from my toddler from a hotel pool. Oh my gosh. We, um, did actually lose our fifth in miscarriage. And so that, that chapter is a doozy. That's probably the uh, only one that we cry. What chapter is that? Oh, uh, 
Ten, I think. Oh, I don't know. I'm a I'm a crier, so I'll probably cry throughout all of it. That God did. I mean, he he oh, was like, yeah. you know, Amanda, I'm I am going to meet you. I'm going to wrestle with you, and I'm going to enter into this intimacy with you, and I'm going to provide enough pain to meet your mm-hmm. threshold, so that that there's a need for me. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Oh. That's very good. Really good. I'm just in like letting it all soak in, but no, it's all so good because it's, 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 you know, it's what moms need to hear. And it's, I mean, not just moms, you know, dads and parents alike. Um, yeah. So there's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I'm but yes, I know. I'm really excited to dive into it more. Um, can you let listeners know where they can purchase the book and also where they can follow you um, to also learn more about your ministry and how you're really empowering moms. So wherever we can find you and wherever we can find uh, that new program that you're going to be working on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there will be a link on my um, website for this new um, child trafficking parenting course. So um, it is by the end of this year, um, oh, we're, we're hoping for November, 2020 oh, is perfect. when we hope to have it out before November, 2020. Yeah. That's and then great. the book was just published in February. It came out. Um, and just last week, it's finally available on um, audible and iTunes in the, um, audio format that's and then ebook. So you could find all that on Amazon, but truly, yeah. if you just go to my website, Amanda flow, F L O dot com everything you need there are all links there in fact you can even download the first um the intro all the way through half of chapter three I saw that I was like whoa she's giving it away <laughs> yeah we expanded the freebie because we we just had a situation happen um a few weeks ago and I thought I'm just done like I want moms to know I just yeah I want to get as much as I can out there which is great so we expanded the freebie but um the product will also be there'll be a link on the website for that and then um, truly, I'll keep you up to date on when that's going to release on Instagram, which is Amanda underscore my last name. Are you ready for this? It's so long. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but Amanda underscore and Flor Zikowski, it starts F-L-O-R, C as in cat, Z as in zebra, Y, K-O-W-S. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's, it's so like sad. super califragilisticexpialidocious. I know. You know oh, what though? I'll link it on my uh, website as well. So you can give her a follow on the podcast notes. Yeah, that'd be super. Because <laughs> um, I know it's kind of sad, but it's my name and I really loved him. Can you say it again? I really like the name. It's pretty. Thanks. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so Polish and beautiful. Um, it is, it is, it's precious. They, my husband is just amazing. I was like, I'll oh, take, I love that. It's Flor Zikowski is how you say it. Yeah. Yes. I can't even say it. No, they, yeah. In fact, on Instagram, I have, it's really funny. I have it like phonetically spelled out oh. with a face because it's, and I get messages all the time from people that are like, thank you so much for spelling it out. Cause now I know. Yeah. yeah but, I was going to um, have, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to say it. So then this is the other thing um, that I'm really excited to talk about to just to answer your question. Yeah. That kind of came out of this was, um, is a project that's launching in September 
called Able Moms. Yes, I saw that. And I was like, oh, sign me up because it's like community based, which I like. Right. So it's somewhat like Mops International in that you would meet, but you can meet in a home or a church, um, which is great in light of kind of like the epidemics that we're dealing with right now and everyone wanting to stay a little bit safer. So if you can't do it in in a church, you can do it at home. But um, they are somewhat like that, except it's pregnant mamas through sixth grade mamas. So we've kind of extended a little bit. And there are three main pillars. We want mamas to be capable. And what we mean by that is that we want her to have every resource she needs under the sun as far as being um, able to mama her kiddo in everything from like, what do I do with a fever that happens like this? Or, you know, what do I need to know about my toddler's sleep habits? So making her capable with practical tools. And then secondly, making her unshakable faith. And then thirdly, as she's growing in her unshakable faith, we want her to be memorable. So we give these really practical activities, uh, mentorship activities that she can do with her kiddo. And that's once she gets membership, that's all accessible on the portal, um, the website portal. But in addition to that, the second piece are these community groups. And so it's like both at the same time, these social communities that that can meet. So it's a, we are very, the team who's helping found it is, are very excited. So that launches That's great. Um, September. So you have so many things going on, but I love it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the resources I want, you know, and I know my friends need too. So we'll all be signing up. <laughs> thank you. Coming yeah. for me, that means a lot. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing more of your story and and honestly, a lot of wisdom in all of the learning more about the sex trafficking industry and how we can overcome our fears as mamas. So I, appreciate, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yes, definitely. Wow.